We can work with our own epigenetics, with food, with exercise, with meditation. There's just room for the, everyone at this party. I love the idea of healthy and delicious not being mutually exclusive, and it ends up being really fresh, whole food-based, nutrient-dense cuisine. If your goal solely is weight loss, you need to be consuming fewer calories. Eating that many is going to be a challenge if you're only eating two and eight hours a day. Not every vegetable makes everybody happy. If you're eating foods that make you sick, you will not be well. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. I hope you're having the most beautiful and marvelous of holidays. When this airs, it should be the day after Thanksgiving. So I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Did you eat a butcher box turkey? Things have been pretty amazing with me. Although I do feel like I'm becoming a little bit intense with the whole biohacking thing. Like, I just feel like my whole life now is monitored. I've got my CGM. I just started wearing an aura ring. Last night, I slept for the first time on my new eight sleep mattress, which changes temperatures, monitors your heart rate. I just feel like everything is being tracked. Um, it's kind of crazy. Maybe on Christmas, I'll just unplug from everything. No tracking, no monitoring, no nothing. But in any case, I have so many incredible interviews booked. I'm just so excited. There's so much good content coming. Today's conversation ended up being so fun. I feel like this girl is really similar to me in my mindset surrounding food, diet, restriction, just trying to find what works. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash intermittent fasting cookbook. Those show notes will have a complete transcript, so definitely check that out. There will also be an episode giveaway for this episode. For that, just join my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting Plus Real Foods Plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something I love. Also, friends, follow me on Instagram. I promise I'm trying. I'm really trying. I think I'll also start doing a lot more giveaways on Instagram too. Come to think of it, I'll probably do one for this episode. So definitely check that out. That's at Melanie Avalon. Also, today is Black Friday. Happy Black Friday. I hope you were on my email list and that you got the email with all of the Black Friday resources because there are so many sales going on. My email list is at melanieavalon.com slash email list. How clever is that? All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Nicole Poirier. Hi friends, welcome back to the show. I am so excited about the conversation that I am about to have. It is with Nicole Poirier, and she is the author of a new book, Intermittent Fasting Cookbook, Fast-Friendly Recipes for Optimal Health, Weight Loss, and Results. And so for listeners, the way I got connected to Nicole, I released my own book, What When Wine, and Ariane Resnick did the the recipes for that book. And she's a fantastic human being and she did an incredible job. And she reached out to me because her friend Nicole, who is also a special chef, was writing her own book, which I just mentioned, and was looking for endorsements for it. 
I will say, so like whenever that happens, cause you don't know, Nicole, you don't know like what to expect, especially like in the intermittent fasting world, the food world, the diet world, that whole world. It's very like, you just don't know what to expect. And so I was like, well, I, I really hope that when I read this, it's something that really resonates with me and aligns with, you know, what I've been talking about and what I would love to promote to my audience. And oh my goodness, friends, listeners, it's the bomb. <laughs> so I was so excited to read it because what Nicole has done is I was really, really impressed. It's a very comprehensive, very thorough, but very approachable overview of intermittent fasting. I mean, it goes deep into all of the different ways to do it, the benefits, issues you might experience, the how to start, tips and tricks. And and then on the, the food side of things, because that's a whole nother nebulous world, because as listeners know, as I know, there are so many dietary approaches out there. It can be really overwhelming. And the one thing I never want to do is lock anybody into a box of any one diet. I don't think there's one diet for everybody. I really don't. <laughs> and... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know. I know. So in Nicole's book, it's not that at all. It goes into something that's a lot of things that are way more important to me, which I'm sure we'll dive in deep into, into the, in the show, which is things like the importance of nutrient density and the concept of calories and what that actually means, macronutrients, how you can like sort of hack those (laughs) for your body. So it was great. Like everything in it, I was like, yes, like this is great. This can help so many people. So Nicole, thank you so much for your book and thank you so much for being here. Oh, it is my pleasure. I'm really excited to talk about this and hearing your, your response, the book in your own voice is just magical. So I'm covered in tingles right now. Oh no, I love it. And then what was so funny for listeners, I was reading it and Nicole actually mentioned in it, Jen Stevens, my co-host of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. And I was like, did you know she's my (laughs) co-host? So it was great. We actually got to introduce Nicole to Jen. So that it all was all meant to be. All worked out really well. Serendipity. So a little bit about Nicole. So she is a special diet chef, a wellness advocate, a self-proclaimed biohacker, which we were talking before the call about the concept of biohacking. So maybe we can touch on that. Also a writer, but she has helped her clients and followers achieve their health goals, as she says, without deprivation for years. And her specialty has been in the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting. But what I'm sure what we'll talk about in this episode is, you know, there's not just keto, like there's so many other dietary options and approaches that people can follow. And she does work for private clients and she lives in San Francisco. And this is her first book, which is super exciting. So again, congrats, because it did just come out three days ago. So congratulations. Thank you so much. So to start things off, I just, well, I did just tell listeners a little bit about you, but in your own words, yeah, what is your story? What led you to become a a special diet chef? Were you a a chef first and then had an interest in health and nutrition? Like what was the timeline on all of that? What actually led you to writing this book today? Okay. So I'm going to try to nutshell this as much as possible because I could speak for hours on my history of falling in love with food and growing vegetables and, you know, diving for seafood. But I began my career as a chef in the yachting industry. So I was working on, you know, super yachts a la, you know, below deck and mega yachts sailing around the world. And in this particular industry, you are exposed to 
clientele who have a lot more education about what they should and shouldn't eat for health reasons and food allergies. It's kind of just the nature of the game. They have access to more healthcare and interest in, in that. So I would end up having interactions with these clients who a had specific dietary requirements, whether it was, you know, celiac disease or dairy free living, diabetic diet, an allergy to our requirement to not consume too much vitamin K. So as I'm preparing these five star meals for multiple people and accommodating all these different things, I just kind of fell in love with the concept. I love the idea of healthy food. I like I love the idea of, you know, healthy and delicious, not being mutually exclusive. These were people coming on for a week or two or three into a really exclusive setting. And they don't want to go home heavier than they arrived, you know, in this vacation setting. I think we all feel that like going on vacation, we feel like we have to come back and deprive ourselves. And who wants that? Like nobody in this world wants that. So I started to tailor my, my own cooking both for the, for the crew and the clientele. I always had my own passion throughout my life. I had a bit of a battle with the bulge and didn't quite understand where that was coming from. And I gained a lot more compassion, both for my clients and the rest of the general population. When I found out that I was allergic to gluten, and this is before it was cool. <laughs> this is like 15 years ago. I found that out. and. At the time, I was like working in Italy. I didn't even know what I was going to be doing, but I went to the grocery store. Well, turns out they were already switched on and there were aisles of gluten-free products in the grocery stores. And, you know, there was just took to embracing different cuisines and different recipes. So this really between working with clients requirements and then fully embracing it with my own this just kind of put me into the path of wanting people to eat to feel the best that they possibly could. And so that's how I became a chef. You know, I moved to San Francisco after I decided to leave that industry and kind of set up shop as a boutique caterer and specialist in dinner parties with mixed restrictions. Here, if you have a dinner party, there's always going to be a mix. There will be a vegan. There will be someone who's gluten-free. There will be someone who's keto. There will be someone who, you know, has a salicylate allergy or something. And I was the gal that would get called to put together amazing menus with the lowest common, I call it lowest common denominator cooking. And it ends up being really fresh, whole food based, colorful, you know, just nutrient dense cuisine. And gained a reputation for that. I found my own way into the world of keto after, you know, I, you know, was still learning about other cuisines like paleo and, and what have you. And I found my way, my own personal way into keto and was pretty dogmatic about it for two years for my, my own personal self and, and started helping my clients deal with weight issues that they were wanting to try and use keto for. But as time passed, I'm just not that dogmatic about really any diet. I like kind of like you, Melanie, it's it's important to eat right for your body and kind of release of the attachment to this 25 carb limit really coincided well with my discovery of intermittent fasting a couple of years ago, which completely restarted my 
my own successful journey. I'd already lost and kept off 40 pounds for a couple of years at that point. And then with intermittent fasting, another 25 fell off. And I started to watch my body change. And I started to watch my body stay in ketosis almost no matter what I ate during my feasting period. I would say I'm still really low carb in the grand scheme of things, but low carb and, you know, the, according to the American Medical Association is a hundred carbs, grams of carbs or less per day. And I probably stay around like 50 to 60, which is with, with intermittent fasting has led to so much amazing body recomposition, shape changing inches, falling off, et cetera, et cetera. And I was writing about it online, just in, in Instagram. And another author who wrote a book about keto for women reached out to her publisher and said that I was the gal who should be writing the intermittent fasting cookbook. And like you, I call it the intermittent fasting cookbook, but it is, it's, it's intermittent fasting cookbook. But anyhow, and so they reached out to me and said, we love what you're doing. How do you feel about writing this book? I said, sounds like a great idea. I've been wanting to write a book. I'm super passionate about this. I, I want a way to share all that I've learned and all that I've absorbed with a larger audience. And here we are. Here we are. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. I did not know that story in that detail. And so much of it just resonates with me so much. Wow. Okay. So many things to touch on. I love that the exposure that you had in the beginning to people with, you know, dietary restrictions and things like that, because that, that is something that I personally have struggled with a lot. The whole like food sensitivities, which is such a vague term and it can be hard as well, because I think once people start getting into that rabbit hole, it's hard to like know how to be balanced in your approach to it. And like for me, for example, like I even created an app called Food Sense Guide and you mentioned salicylates, for example, and that's one of the compounds included. And it's 11 compounds, like comparing their levels and over 300 foods. And of course, gluten is in there, like you mentioned, and things like FODMAPs and salicylates and oxalates and amines and thiols and nightshades. And like, there's so many things. And so that's actually a question for you. What do you think is a healthy approach to dealing with potential food sensitivities? Like, do you think people should do testing to figure out if they're potentially sensitive to things? Is it more intuitive when it does come to like actually eating? Because obviously you're a chef and you're creating recipes for people with, you know, these sensitivities. Do you find that when people stick to... <laughs> diets and plans that address their potential sensitivities that they do see a big difference. How do you feel about all of that? Okay. So these are great questions and I, and I have answers for all of them because, you know, you asked me actually before we even started the show, if I had thought of another book and this was a, a book about, this was exactly the first book I was dreaming up after like the day after I finished writing intermittent fasting cookbook, I was like, I want to write a deep dive self-test elimination diet. I know that there's a million elimination diet books out there, but this, I want to write something that kind of does deal with that salicylate, amine, oxalate, et cetera, situation. So to address your question, I do believe that an elimination diet is the best way to go to really pare down to the bare minimum of and like lowest restrictive foods that are out there. But this is the issue. It is restrictive. I think it should only really be done for two weeks. 
to three weeks before you start testing and adding things back in. That's where people will see and you'll feel free for three weeks. You know, for those three weeks of like your body's not in pain, you'll see so much inflammation go down when you pare back what you're eating. One of my best girlfriends has a salicylate and amine combination allergy and was was on a juice fast when she found out and her husband came across her passed out on the floor from like organ failure from overloading her body with salicylate. Oh, wow. Yes. Like in cucumber juice and stuff like that. Yes. Cucumber, kale. And so I love vegetables because they make my body happy. Right. And you love vegetables because they, they might make your body happy. But guess what? Not every vegetable makes everybody happy. So this is where like we have to strip away that dogma of like, you know, all veggies are good for everybody. They're actually not. I'm on the struggle bus with veggies. Yeah. Fruit is much better for me, actually. Yeah. You get to still get your full complement of nutrients with fruit. So it's like NBD in my world. People do have a hard time staying on it if you if you stay in that restricted thing too long. So like the biggest issue with with that those kind of fruit and vegetable intolerances is adherence over time. But once I think once you learn the threshold concept, you know, the threshold and the buckets concept, which I'm sure your app addresses. I can't wait to check that out, by the way. Oh, I'll send it to you for sure. It's just a new sense of freedom and comfort in your own skin. So I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to stay there, but it does tie into a lot of emotional connection to food, which is something that, that I think about a lot. It's hard because it's restrictive. On the flip side, at least this is what I personally struggle with is I find comfort and safety in a restrictive diet. So on the flip side, I think there's a lot of us, if we do try a restrictive diet, we can get a fear of coming out of it <laughs> because it feels good. Like you just said, it feels really free to not be reacting to foods. And if you find, you know, just a few foods that you do well with, it can be comforting to stay there. And I'm constantly like researching because on the one hand, there's a lot of talk about how you need to eat a really, really wide variety of foods. Like I'll hear that a lot on podcasts. Like you need to eat. I was listening to a podcast the other day with, I think it's the author of Fiber Fueled. And he was saying like the number of different fibers that we needed. And it was some like ungodly amount. And I was like, oh gosh. And then on the flip side, I read studies where it says that actually like the longest lived populations actually eat a, a narrower variety of foods. Like it's actually not that big of a difference. So I'm actually constantly haunted by how much variety do I need in my diet? Like, how do I find the foods that I should be eating with your clients, especially those on restrictive diets? Do you find they can exist like long-term in a more restrictive protocol? Or do you encourage them to like branch out and expand their food palate? How do you feel about all of that? Well, of course, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say, as long as I'm doing the cooking, they could last on it forever. But, <laughs> you know, because I'll still make it interesting with flavors. However, if someone's doing something on their own or more on their own or, you know, does get kind of trapped in that, like wanting to to stay safe. And I what you say is valid. I mean, why wouldn't you want to feel safe all the time? But the great thing about this kind of restricted diet is you can always return to them and return to that sense of safety at any time. But you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. It's like that, that saying about a ship in the harbor. You know, a ship in the harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. And 
humans were, you know, we can be safe really, you know, hiding away and restricting our behaviors and activities. But that's not what life is about. It's about getting out there and then trying things and enjoying things and, you know, exploring our senses. So when my clients want to spend more time in a more restrictive diet, and I'm, I'm speaking of like the autoimmune protocol, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love it. Or like Whole30. Also love it. You know, those are two great diets. I do encourage them like, listen, let's reach out. Let's branch out just a little bit more. You know, these are two amazing examples of whole foods situations where you can get all of those nutrients or what have you. But also the AIP autoimmune protocol is meant to last for six to eight weeks at a time, not six months. You know, so I do encourage people to branch out. And, you know, also to, to go back to it, look at the carnivore people who are like loving their lives right now. And all they're eating is meat, organ meats, and, you know, occasionally dairy if, if they decide to incorporate dairy and are feeling great. I know a guy in New Zealand who was prescribed this by his doctor and he's been thriving between a combination of intermittent fasting and carnivore. For the last five years, it literally saved his life. So everybody is different. I can't say any diet is perfect for any one person. Although I do kind of think that fasting can complement any way of eating. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, no, I am. I'm so fascinated by carnivore. I sort of did it. Not really. But like for a long time in college, I basically just ate (laughs) rotisserie chickens and coconut oil. Like they would like, they would mark down the rotisserie chickens to like $3 after like 11 PM. And I was like in college. So I would like go to the store at like 11 PM and get my rotisserie chicken and like <laughs> slather in coconut oil. And I literally did that for probably like a year with intermittent fasting. So like, <laughs> so I've been fascinated at least by the concept of a mostly like meat diet. And it, I mean, it was a zero fiber diet for a long time, especially with like gut issues and things like that. How did you feel at that point? Like, Oh, I felt great. If like you, you mentioned that you do have, you've had some, you know, digestive challenges and, and, you know, fights with vegetables. So like, I I bet you were just like, I feel amazing. My personal like timeline of everything was I first went low carb and that was the thing where I was like, oh, cause like I, I tried it to lose weight, but then so many other things got better that I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. And then I was like, something's happening here. That's not like just weight loss. And that's what started, which sounds similar to you. Cause did you say keto was what started kind of like the, yeah, I, I started it for weight loss. And then I was like, Oh, this is amazing. I've never had such clear thoughts. I, I have energy out the, you know, up the wazoo and like, I'm sleeping well and my mood is even and my menstrual cycle is regulated. I was just like zippity doodah for real. And I was like, so this was like way at the beginning. So I was doing like the urine keto strips and I was like, oh my goodness, I can literally measure fat burning with like, with like a thing, which I now know it's way more complicated than like the urine strips. But I guess that was, you know what, that was probably my first foray into quote biohacking, probably if you could would consider that biohacking. So yeah, so my timeline was like, I I did that. And then I adopted intermittent fasting. I said I was going to do one meal a day for like a week. 
And I like did not stop after that because I was like, wow, this is like a game changer. How did you start intermittent fasting? What was your first like attempt? Oh, let me see. Like, it's really all about the research. And the more I did research with keto, like, and it's continuous, continuous research. I think I read about my favorite movie star crush, which would be Hugh Jackman. Oh, yeah, he's a big IFer. Yes, using IF to get ripped for Wolverine. And I was just said, Jeepers Crow, that is amazing. He's amazing. I want to do whatever he's doing. I don't necessarily need to, I never want to look like Wolverine, to be brutally honest, but that's, that's not the look I'm going for. But it said, you know, he's eating really well and, you know, very low carb. And just restricting the hours of the day and this concept of changing the hours of the day that you eat instead of changing the amount or, or whatever you're eating fascinated me. So I said, well, why not just try this 16, eight, you know, as I first started reading about it, I'm like, oh, I don't really eat in the morning. But as I looked at it and I see this with uh, a lot of my clientele now who I'm guiding through with coaching, it's. When you wake up at six in the morning and you put cream in your coffee and then you have your last glass of wine by 930 at night or like that last macadamia nut by 930 at night or 10 o'clock at night, you're eating for 16 hours a day. You know, your your digestive system is working for 16 hours a day without a break. And that seems bananas to me. So I decided to give it a, to, you know, give it a little a little try. And it was like keto supercharged all of a sudden I had I had more energy and like I didn't really have cravings with keto but like I would get hungry at regular periods you know as our body is attuned to our meal times and so like the ghrelin spike would would pop in and you know ghrelin the the hunger hormone and make me want to eat within like a, just a few days since I was already keto you know fat adapted and keto adapted the cravings went away. I had even a greater level of mental clarity. Like the whites of my eyes got whiter. Oh my goodness. That's something I always pick up on. Like <laughs> when I brought back fruit, cause I was low carb and then I, I switched to like a high carb, low fat paleo with high fruit. My eyes were like, they just got so white. And I was like, wow, something's happening. But also with fasting, it does it too for me. Yes. Yes. So it's like, I think you don't hear talked about very often about the whites of the eyes, but it really is a clear message, like no pun intended because clear, clear eyes, but a clear message from your body saying, we'd like this. And that's awesome. I like a good, clear message from my body. We are so similar. That's something I've always sort of used my eyes as like a subjective mirror to how I feel like my body's doing with my diet and everything. I feel like it really does reflect in the eyes. So going back though, to the keto stuff, because you, you know, you were doing keto, I was doing keto for me. Like, for example, I adopted paleo. That was like the last thing, like, cause I, I was low carb and then intermittent fasting and then paleo and paleo is when I started bringing back more like well, first vegetables and then ultimately fruits. Do you find that like with your clients and everything that you've experienced that a lot of people do exist long-term in keto and lower carb approaches? 
Do you find people benefit from bringing back more carbs? I know you mentioned, for example, that it's so funny how your whole perspective of carbs changes after you go low carb because, you know, like a hundred grams of carbs, for example, is what you used as the definition of low carb by, I guess, standard American diet percentages. But yeah, do you find that people and maybe women in particular might benefit from having more carbs? And how does intermittent fasting play into that? Carbs. What are your thoughts? Carbs. Okay. Yes. I do think that, you know, carbohydrate intake plays into some of this, especially for women, because, you know, carbohydrate intake does also help regulate some of our sex hormones, you know, our cyclical hormones. And during some piece of research I was doing, I found, have you heard of Dr. Mindy Peltz? She's out of California and she's a very big advocate of intermittent fasting and low carb living and what have you. And I look up to her. I kind of want to meet her. I think she's only like an hour away. But whatever the case may be, she did a really clear explanation on the need to incorporate slightly higher carb amounts and preferably from really colorful veggies like squashes or sweet potatoes or carrots, possibly more fruit and white rice. And I know that sounds crazy, but White rice is not the enemy. Team white rice. Hashtag team white rice. I feel like white rice out of all the starchy carbs is like one of the most approachable carbs as far as like very low potential for reacting to it. Exactly. And that's why I'm I'm an advocate for it. And I'm not saying like go and have two cups of white rice or like three sweet potatoes. I'm talking about if you're in the keto world or even just low carb world. Yeah, you can boost up your your carbohydrate your total carbohydrate intake to like between 60 and 100 the third week of your cycle. And it will preserve your progesterone. This is for people who are menstruating. It'll preserve progesterone and take away any like PMS symptoms. And it's also important um for women past menopause to incorporate you know, just like a little higher carb. I'm talking, you know, it's pumpkin season right now. I would have, I'm going to make pumpkin muffins for my client later and they're going to be low carb pumpkin streusel muffins. But this is important to have something like that once every two weeks when you're post-menopause. Also just to maintain that progesterone and, and estrogen balance because we still have it. It just goes down once menopause hits, but we need to, we do need to do the best we can to maintain it, to live the happiest, healthy life. So it's kind of like biohacking via cooking right now is what we're talking about, right? Hi friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference. May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando, and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and Dry Farm Wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind-blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples, meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. 
There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show, like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come... Definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Hi, friends. Okay, so I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've been talking for so long about red light and near-infrared therapy, which is so, so important. However, I kind of left out something really important about light. So as you guys know, I've been talking about red light and near-infrared for so long. And at the same time, during the day, I was using a bright, sad light. So it's those white lights that help with waking you up, help with your circadian rhythm. They're used to combat mood issues and depression. So I have a really bright white one of those at my desk. A few things about that. I knew it helped wake me up and kept me stimulated, but I wasn't sure if it had any detrimental effects using it. And then two, I was also wondering if by just focusing on red and near-infrared light, was I somehow missing something in the full spectrum of light? Guess what? I was. And guess what? I found the solution. And guess what? I have a discount for you guys. So the founder of a company called Soulshine reached out to me and he was like, do you know about the importance of full spectrum light? And I was like, you know what? I've been wondering about this for quite a while. Please educate me. Oh my goodness. This man blew my mind. I talk a lot about the problems of blue light. That said, we evolved in natural full spectrum sunlight that our genes are programmed to respond to. And today we do not spend enough time in that light. A lot of us don't go outside and we're overexposed to blue light. It's a problem. And then to make things even more problematic, the common sad lights that I was talking about that are bright white, they actually do not contain the full spectrum light. They filter out certain wavelengths and they're high in blue light. So just like I thought, it was not doing my health many services. There is only one company I have found, or I guess that found me, that makes a full spectrum white light device. So the Soul Light Systems include the fullest spectrum of visible and invisible near-infrared light with traces of UV light. Yep, that's right, because you need all of that as well. Don't worry, it's not an exuberant amount that's going to cause a problem. It's just a tiny little dose that your body actually needs. You can use these lights to fix your circadian rhythm and properly stimulate your brain's suprachiasmatic nucleus, or SCN, in a way that it was supposed to be stimulated. It's kind of like the natural spectral diet. Because yes, you may be suffering from malillumination. Did you know that your entire bloodstream actually filters through your eyes in a relatively short amount of time, that's the only way your blood is exposed to the outside world. So when we expose our eyes to this light, it actually can have beneficial effects on our blood. That is crazy. It helps with skin, with mood. This is the light that I wasn't thinking about that we need. I love Soulshine's light therapy devices. I do use it in combination with my red and near-infrared light devices as well so that I can fully bathe my body 
in the best light that is so helpful for my sleep, for my stress, for my metabolism, for my immunity, for my health, so many things. They have so many different device options. They have one that I love that kind of looks like a juve and I sit it on my desk and it has options for the full spectrum light, which is that bright white light, as well as an ear infrared option. So what I do is I do a session of the full spectrum light in the morning and then I run the near infrared to help counteract the negative blue light around me. They also have stands with bulbs that you can get. I've been using some of those on my plants. I am just so grateful that Ken at Soulshine found me because I was missing out on such a key aspect of light and I had no idea. And you can get 10% off at melanieavalon.com slash soulshine. That's S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code melanieavalon. So melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code melanieavalon for 10% off. It's really helped my mood, my energy, my sleep, so many things. I think you guys will love it. So again, go to melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 10% off site-wide. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. I love it. I love it. Yeah, just really quick random side note, because we were talking before the call when it comes to biohacking. I've recently been engaging in a lot of conversations and dialogues about like what even is biohacking, because some people say it's like anything that really enhances your your biology and your health. So intermittent fasting is biohacking. Going out in the cold is biohacking or, you know, things that are just like lifestyle in a way. And then there's the argument on the flip side that it's things that are more specific. So it's like tools and supplements and, you know, doing something that you wouldn't naturally be able to do. And I don't even know if it's a conversation worth having, but like I've just been engaging with some people, I guess some people who are like anti-biohackers and they're like, no, like this is, you can't biohack your biology. Like, I don't know. It's just a really, really interesting concept. I don't know if you have any thoughts on biohacking as like a concept. As a concept, I think that, okay, so I've, you know, I've been experimenting with my own, with biohacking for years, like for a few years, you know, and I said this to you before the, the, we started recording. It's, this is a grassroots, I kind of have a grassroots approach. So I do think that there are life, like these lifestyle things that we can do can optimize our bodies, you know, systems and genetics. So there is a place, there's a spectrum of that lifestyle to the, you know, the apps or the, the super supplement stacks and everything in between, but you got to start somewhere and not everybody's going to know unless they do a lot of research, how to, you know, apply a super supplement stack four times a day. That'll work for them. I think working up to that is a really good way to go. (laughs) You start with, start with the basics. You start with your food. You start with, you know, creating this conversation with your body. You start with meditation and being able to tap in. I know you did an episode not too long ago about the vagus nerve. And I'm such a huge fan of the vagus nerve. Let me tell you. And, like you know, toning it. And it can be as simple as sitting and taking deep breaths for five minutes a day. And that is going to help you moderate your own stress hormones and create acetylcholine and start these chain reactions in your body to get you from fight or flight to rest and digest where you can actually, you know, absorb more information, but you're not quite as focused or frantic as when you're in the fight or flight mode with the high cortisol, you know? So we start with what we've got and then you move forward from there. It's a staircase. 
I love it so much. I, if listeners are curious about my thoughts on the semantics of it, I feel like, and that's a good example with the vagus nerve. And for listeners, I'll put a link in the show notes to that episode. It was with Amy Brannon, who's the founder of a company called Zen by Nuvana, and they make a vagus nerve treating headphone device thing. That's sort of how I feel like biohacking is. So like, cause you can stimulate your vagus nerve. Like you just mentioned, like so many other ways, like laughing and dancing and <laughs> all these other different things. So I feel like that's like living your life. And then I feel like it'd be biohacking. If you bring in like a third party device that we wouldn't normally have kind of like the Zen device and you're like using it <laughs> to um, stimulate your, your vagus nerve. I think that's next level biohacking, but you can start with the super basics. Like we can change ourselves. It's, I think biohacking is taking actions to optimize our genes. You know, we can work with our own epigenetics, with food, with exercise, with journaling, with meditation. And we can also work with them, you know, with supplements, with, you know, wearables, with all these things. So there's just room for the, everyone at this party. I know it's so true. And really that's the vibe that I got from your book was like everything that you just said that, you know, that there are all of these tools at our fingertips and it's not, you know, it's not one right thing. There's not one answer. It's like a paradigm to exist in. And then there's so much potential and freedom within it. It's really a beautiful thing. So question in the book, you, you go through intermittent fasting, you know, in detail, like I said, like the ways to do it and tips and tricks and things like that. And then on the flip side, you have the food part because (laughs) That's obviously really, really important. Actually, this is a really random question. I just dying to know your thoughts on this because Jen and I, my co-host of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, will talk about this sometimes. So between, it's one of those either or questions where I feel like you can't really win by answering it. Okay. Challenge me. Fire away. I'm ready. So if you had to choose between intermittent fasting versus food choices, what do you think has a more powerful effect on the body? Oh, that's a Great question. I feel like you can't really win with this answer, but I think about this often and Jen and I will talk about it sometimes. Okay. Wow. That's a really intense question. And I will, I know whatever you say, not holding you to it. Like this is just thought experiment and I'll, I'll say what I think too. It's, it's fine for me personally. God, I love fasting so much. So even if it's as simple as like, you know, that eight hour feeding window, but I think it does come down to food choices for your body and making food choices your personal body feels are beneficial. You can get away with less beneficial choices, like less nutritive, more harmful choices when you combine that with intermittent fasting because the exposure is limited. But if you're eating foods that make you sick, then you will not be well. That's basically the way I feel too. I don't think Jen's perspective has changed, but I think she's more on the fasting side. So it's always a really interesting, you know, thought experiment about everything. Because the way I see it is fasting does so many incredible things. Like it just activates all of these genes that really go in and, you know, do cleanup and activate longevity genes and but in a way it is it's doing a lot of repair so I feel like the food aspect side of things is you know if you're putting in foods that are not working for your body it's like you're constantly attacking yourself when I say the beneficial versus detrimental so like for me I support 
people eating literally anything. Intermittent fasting is beautiful because you can eat anything in your window. Like you can eat any food. I'm not going to be dogmatic about whatever. I have recommendations, which my book incorporates because I want people to have, like we you know, mentioned, nutrient dense and anti-inflammatory options being the highlight. So you're getting the biggest bang for your buck when you're eating, but you can eat whatever you want. My cousin-in-law, she might only eat like a bowl of creamy pasta and it works for her. Her goal is to lose weight only. It's not to, to get into autophagy and do that cellular cleanup. She's not trying to increase her HGH or BDNF. You know, she just, she's doing intermittent fasting to lose weight and it works for her and she's not allergic to gluten. Now, if I had creamy pasta, I would see suffering and it would throw my body into a complete state of inflammation because I'm allergic to gluten. So that's where the food choice, the beneficial detrimental comes in. So you have to take in the factor of what your body wants and what your goals are. I love that so much. And so speaking to that, so this is a very basic, simple question, but it might have a long answer. What is nutrient density in foods and what determines the nutrient density potential of foods. It's going to sound very simplistic, but they just grow that way. <laughs> just, you know, if you're talking about whole foods, they're just, they just grow that way. And, and a, a good guide to whether something is nutrient dense or not is, is often how colorful is it? Though at the same time, like white foods, like cauliflower, when I talk about white vegetables, like cauliflower or beans, they have such a huge complement of vitamins and minerals all wrapped up in there. Nutrient density is, is really the most micronutrients per energy unit, per calorie or kilojoule, however you want to approach it. This is where the concept of superfoods comes in. You know, every week it seems like there's a new superfood. And superfood is just a nice way of saying this food's got a lot of nutrients. So we've got the kale and the blueberries and quinoa and, you know, acai berries. Though I, I'm not a fan of acai bowls, P.S. That's just a sideline. I think they're just sugar bombs. But that's me. Anyhow, does that answer the question? Yeah, because one of the things I loved in the book was there's a lot of like really helpful charts and, you know, showing the different, you know, vitamins and where they're found and the micronutrients and all of that. And like you had a list of your top anti-inflammatory foods and there was a lot of really fun takeaways. Like some of the things I learned because I took some notes on it. I mean, there's a ton of foods on that list. There's like berries and cherries and grapes and fatty fish. But then I learned random little fun facts I, I didn't know. So things like, like ginger has been linked to increase autophagy, which was really cool that like dark chocolate and I don't know if it's cacao or co- cocoa or cacao. I always say cacao. So that like it modulates inflammation and keeps blood cells and lymph vessels healthy. I don't know. Actually, I don't know which oil it was because my, my notes are pretty bad here, but it was either olive oil or coconut oil contains something called oleocanthal. That's olive oil. Which has the same anti-inflammatory properties as ibuprofen. So a lot of really cool things that I, um, that was a whole rabbit hole that I got into at one point was like looking at the studies on these compounds found in plants. And the reason I think I really got into it deep was because I was becoming really fascinated with the carnivore movement and the the very anti-plant aspect that that often has, especially bringing on a lot of figures in that movement, like Paul Saladino and, you know, Dr. Sean Baker. And, but when I went to the studies on these foods, it's like these compounds found in plants, they, they literally 
can, you know, send a message or a signal to our cells to activate certain responses and certain genes. And it just, I don't want to say it's very scientific, but it's like very scientific. I mean, it's, it's like taking medication in a way, but without the, the negative side effects potential. Although I guess the carnivore people would say that there is a negative side effect potential. I don't think there was a question there, just that I'm really like fascinated by the, like the pharmacokinetics of plants and how they're affecting the body. All of our medicine came from plants, like throughout time, you know, and all of these compounds that I talk about, especially in those anti-inflammatory ingredients, like they've been used in different cultures around the world without like intuitively. And now we, we know deeper reasons behind it. Like that eating tomatoes keeps you from, you know, like helps you not get sunburned as much, you know, like it, it tones your skin or like that olive oil. We knew it made our skin look good, but who knew that it was like taking away inflammation. It's so cool. I'm never going to be a plant hater, but again, it's because my body likes those things. And yeah, it, it is cool. I, I just, I had so much fun writing this book. You have no idea. Like I was in, in chef heaven. <laughs> well, it, it really shows in the book and then, and listeners, it definitely really shows talking to Nicole because I asked her if she wanted to write another book and she was like, yes, compared to me where I was like, give me three years. <laughs> like, like, I was like, never again. No, but that's amazing. So clearly it was really a passion project for you. And it, it really, really shows through. So something I'm dying to talk to you about. One of the things that I loved, because you have a section on, you know, calories and things like that. And a lot of people in the intermittent fasting world will say, oh, calories don't matter. Like, you know, they just, they don't matter if you're doing intermittent fasting. And I think it's probably a little bit more complicated than that. In your book, you do talk about calories and the role of, you know, nutrient density versus calories. And I think you, I'm paraphrasing, but you say something to the effect of like how, and this is what I've, I've experienced is that when people do intermittent fasting, they, they often don't have to focus on calories anymore, but I mean, it's not like calories like go away. What are your thoughts on calories, especially when it comes to weight loss? And then maybe we can go deeper into actually like weight loss hacks. So, okay. Calories and weight loss. Weight loss only occurs when your body is in a caloric deficit from your total daily energy expenditure. That's the only time it occurs. It's not as simple as calories in, calories out. But like if your goal solely is weight loss and preferably fat loss, we can get into that. That's another like nitty gritty topic because I don't even like to say the words weight loss anymore. It's just it's a loaded situation where fat loss has a lot more to do with health, you know, and muscle gaining and what have you. So anyhow, but we'll, I won't go there yet. If you want to lose weight, you need to be consuming fewer calories than your total daily energy expenditure, like I just said. Plus, it, this works really well with intermittent fasting because with a limited amount of time to consume that many calories, and humans really do need a lot. It drives me bananas that like there's all these random 1200 calorie diets for women out there when that's like what a child needs to survive. <laughs> you know, I wish more people would kind of do the research to find out how many calories their body needs. And I think I incorporate a worksheet in the book to, to figure that out for yourself. But you need to know how many calories that you you have, and it's going to be higher than you'd expect to find in any given book. 
even eight hours a day. It's so, so this is why intermittent fasting encourages weight loss so much. And I love that about it. And it also, because we're again, holding back some of that time that we normally be eating when you do consume those calories, you know, your, whatever your hopefully nutrient dense calories, your body's in a position to shuttle them to all the right places, which is like next level. Awesome. So instead of going, you know, one minute on the hips, straight to the hips or whatever, it's like, oh, okay, we haven't eaten in a little while. And we, we need to replenish some glycogen because we know like Melanie's going to go for a walk later and might need a little extra, you know, glucose in her, in her muscles for that reason. Oh, you know what? These cells, oh, my mitochondria want this, that, and the other thing. There's a difference between like eating a calorie restricted diet throughout the day. So constantly eating and like, so not having enough calories for your body and having your body feel like it's in a calorie restricted state constantly compared to having it all at once where it, it can create like a feasting type mentality, even if it's less calories. And I think there's something really beneficial to that. And then like you mentioned the increased, you know, nutrient partitioning and putting it to the right place and being more efficient. So I think, I think it's complicated because then also there is the potential of especially women, like, you know, not eating enough in their eating window. But I do think it's in a way it can create protective mechanisms compared to like chronic dieting, like throughout the day. Because fasting and also low carb living change your hormone levels. It is different than, than just calorie restricting and eating nutrient devoid foods throughout the day. Just meet that, you know, like eating three lean cuisines over eight hours, as opposed to getting flashbacks to the diet days. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> It is the worst. It's crazy. Yeah. So eating like three, do you remember Snackwell's cookies from like 9,000 years ago? <laughs> oh my goodness. I remember the amount of like crazy things I would eat and try to do to like, like share a talking noodles. I think I would like just stop up my entire like system, <laughs> like try to create these like no calorie meals. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you, like I, I do. I have to admit, I do use shared talking noodles sometimes because I actually enjoy them. <laughs> but since I have literally researched every diet out there to, to be able to accommodate all of the different needs of my clients and also trying to find like that next great thing to have a, you know, a, a smaller booty, which a men that the tide has changed on that. I'm keeping my juicy booty. P.S. But yeah, the HCG diet. It cracks me up. I did that. You did it. Oh, how like that's shirataki noodle heaven and 500 or less calories per day. How much lettuce can you eat? Oh, oh my word. Anyhow, I'm glad we're past that. <laughs> me too. I, oh, I did the cookie diet. What's the cookie diet? I didn't get, I didn't hear that one. It's where you get shipments of cookies sent to your door. And okay. I did all my crazy dietary escapades in college and my roommates probably thought I was insane. Yeah. The cookie diet, you get like these boxes of cookies that are literally, if you look at the ingredients, I've looked at the ingredients recently. They're literally like gluten <laughs> and like fiber. <laughs> they're like the worst, but yeah. So you were supposed to eat like five per day. They're like in a bag and you're supposed to eat like two for like breakfast and like two for lunch and then you eat like a normal dinner. But I would just like eat the whole bag and then be starving and try to eat like another bag. And it was just a massive fail. Like, yeah, I mean, we could have a whole episode on diet failures. There was one, my mom had shipped me this thing called the one day diet. 
the one day diet it like you eat one day and it's it's actually if you look at it now it could be like intermittent fasting sort of but like so one day you eat normally the next day all you get are these chalk flavored chocolate tablets <laughs> like like they're little discs and like you get to chew a few of those the day and i have no idea what was in them but at that time i was yachting doesn't work when you wash it down with espresso martinis at the end of the day <laughs> so. that is so funny i love it i've been thinking about this i really want them to, to design a study on intermittent fasting and it will be i thought of a way let me know your thoughts on this i thought of a way that we could test intermittent fasting and get rid of the placebo effect because people wouldn't realize that it's testing intermittent fasting do you want to hear? <laughs> yeah, please. So like it would be a pill study, but it would be a placebo pill. And like the mechanisms or, or like the instructions would be like, take this pill. Like the way it was set up when they take the pill, they can't take it with food and they can't take it, have food like for a certain amount of time before or after. So the way that you prescribe the timeline of the pill, you could create different eating windows and people would think it was testing the pill, but really it was testing eating windows. Cause it would just be a, like a, well, it couldn't be a sugar pill, but it'd be a pill. <laughs> Something that doesn't have leucine. I know, I know. Now I'm thinking like, what could be in it? I don't know. It could just be like, yeah, like an almost. Maybe that Avacil that they, like that filler they use. How, yeah. How small can you make the pill? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just... Maybe it could have like sand. I don't know. Can you eat sand? I have no idea. You can, I think. You can. It could have like diatomaceous earth or something in it. Yes. Yes. You'd just be cleaning out your system a teeny tiny bit. And like, you know, one of those gelatin cap Activated charcoal. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Charcoal, diatomaceous earth in one of those teeny tiny gelatin wrapped capsules or pressed into like, you know. Or probably not even gelatin because we might be on the fence about gelatin being an amino acid. So it probably would have to be the, the cellulose. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to do the study. Basically, so cellulose comes from trees. So basically, we're going to get trees, burnt trees, with the charcoal and dirt. <laughs> That's what people are. It's amazing. I love it. Some people will take it at certain times and it would, it would create different eating windows without them realizing it. Yeah. Take immediately upon waking. And then you take another one like at night. So it would like it would scrunch you into a. Yes. Eating window. Sorry, whole tangents there. So, but where I was going with the, the original question about the calories was that something that I was like, oh, I feel like Nicole and I think alike because there is definitely an appreciation, which is something I've always or started realizing when I started realizing that when you look into the like science of food in a way that there are ways to quote hack your eating choices too. Cause we said that, you know, calories do matter in the end it does come down because if you store more calories than you burned, you're going to gain weight and the flip side for losing weight. But the calories is, is vague because there are, you know, certain types of calories can be processed certain ways. Some have a higher thermogenic effect. So we burn calories actually processing those calories. So, you know, protein, it's going to have a higher thermogenic effect than fat or carbs. Even alcohol has a pretty high thermogenic effect. There's the satiety factor to foods and you have bits and pieces of this throughout the book. So like you have a list of like the foods that are highest on the satiety index, which is really, really interesting to me. So like, especially for people who are, they're wanting to eat, you know, nutrient dense foods. So they're, they're meeting their nutrition on like a micronutrient perspective, but 
they want to, in a way, hack their foods so that they can ultimately take in less calories, even though they're still getting all of their nutrients. What sort of foods can encourage satiety or maybe suppress appetite? Because like, I don't want to encourage, you know, crazy calorie counting or like chronic dieting, but I do think we can make conscious choices to eat certain foods that will you know, fill us up more just by their, their nature or help us feel full. And you talk about this like throughout the book, but what are some examples of foods like that? Thank you. Um, yes, for, for seeing that. And I 100% agree with you that we don't really want people calorie counting all the time. It can be really triggering for a lot of people and we don't want to trigger people into unhealthy patterns of eating and, and racing against eating more. When people ask for low-cal, what have you, you know, when clients ask for low-cal meals, I'm just like, what are you doing? But I also hear the need to make it fit within your day. And until your tummy is trained by intermittent fasting, which it does get trained and your hormones get trained, you will feel hungrier in the beginning, of course, of the process. And what I would say as far as food hacks to manage that that hunger and those cravings, or maybe you're having an emotional day and you just have a real hunger out there. What you want to look for in, in foods that will be nutritious, but also extremely filling it's volume. It's volume versus, you know, new color density. So like lettuces, you know, iceberg lettuce, it's so fluffy, you know, greens, they're fluffy. You think about kind of fluffier, lighter feeling fruits and veggies. And berries are lighter and fluffier than a pineapple, you know, so that's going to give you, that's going to have more fiber. It's going to have more water. It's going to be great in that using broth or water based soups will not only actually fill the, you know, the, the space in your stomach, but the warmth of the soup brings a comfort level that adds to satiety. And if you add spice to that, so like tom yum gung or tom yum vegetable soup they have in Thailand, raises your core body temperature, cools you down, keeps you satisfied for longer, as does like the capsaicin in the chili peppers that are in there. So think of flavor, think of volume. And I would say those are my top tips for that particular thing. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. And the reason I love this so much is I feel like there are often two camps on this. Like there are the people that say, you know, it is all about like filling up and like tricking your body in a way with these foods. And then there's the camp that says that, you you know, you shouldn't do that at all. That like, you know, that really won't have an effect or that it's negligible or that it's perhaps too much of a detrimental mindset to have towards food. But I think <laughs> this is just my thoughts, but I think that we can consciously make decisions about the foods that we're eating and they, and they have effects on our body. And especially if it's a thing where you're, you know, you're doing daily intermittent fasting, you're choosing the foods that you eat. For example, you mentioned like the Tom, I don't know what it is, the Tom Young. Tom Yum, Tom Yum Gung, which is that, that hot and sour Thai soup that has like chili and shrimp, or you can do it with vegetables or you can, Tom Kagai is another one. Sorry, I've spent a lot of time in Thailand and it's my favorite and I learned how to cook there. And Tom Kagai is like a Tom just means soup and Ka means coconut and guy means chicken. So if you've ever had that Thai coconut chicken soup that has chilies in it. Yeah. So that's another filling thing. What I didn't mention is like 
making sure that you do have a nice balance of the macronutrients will also help keep you satisfied for longer. Like if you have the, that gigantic bowl of lettuce one day when you're ravenous and making sure that you get a really nice chunk of protein in there too. You're and like particularly with like a fatty or meat piece of meat or fish like salmon Caesar salad. One of my, another one of my faves because you can eat all the lettuce in the world. You're getting a nice amount of, of fats, like healthy, satisfying fats from the fish that are anti-inflammatory and possibly, you know, some dressing, which satisfies an emotional need. So you're, you're satisfying your body and your heart at the same time. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. 
Hi friends. One of the most valuable things that I do every single night of my life is my infrared sauna session. The brand that I use is Sunlighten. I did a lot of research on infrared saunas before deciding on them. Their saunas are so high quality. They're low EMF. And what I really love is they have a solo unit. That's what I have. And it's really great if you live in a small apartment, might be moving. It's just really an amazing investment. And they have incredible deals and offers on it right now. You can actually get up to $200 off with the code Melanie Avalon. Or if you're talking to a rep, just tell them that I sent you. And like I said, that will be up to $200 off. And that will also get you $99 shipping. Normally the shipping is like $600. So that's a really, really big deal. And if you do purchase a sauna, forward your proof of purchase to podcast at melanieavalon.com. And I will also send you a signed copy of my book, What, When, Why. If you'd like to learn more about the science of sauna, two resources. I interviewed the founder of Sunlighten, Connie Zach. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then I also recently did an epic blog post all about the science of sauna. We'll also put that in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Hi friends. An incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, (laughs) drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. 
It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. I've always been really fascinated because on the satiety index, which is one of the things that I will like look at when I'm bored. <laughs> That's the type of person I am. But yeah, white fish is always really high up there, even though I feel like for me, it doesn't fill me up like compared to like chicken. I just, I've always found that really fascinating. Like, I wonder how they came up with that, with the testing kind of like the glycemic index, I think, where people will actually have like completely different responses to foods. I wonder if the satiety index is also individual and I haven't seen any research on this, but, and I also wonder like how the gut microbiome is involved and like probably how you're reacting to that food and it is a challenge to know how all of it was come up with, because seriously, like when they do say fish or white fish, how many people did they ask? And like, where did they ask them? And how was the fish prepared? Like, was it steamed? How many people eat steamed white fish on a regular basis? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> it, it has to have more to it. One last note, the thing I was going to say about the, the Tom, I can't say it. What is it? The Tom? Tom, Tom Kagai or Tom Yum Gung. So that, so that whole concept, like spices and things like that, that raise metabolism. You know, people will often say, yes, it raises metabolism, but like it's, it only burns like the equivalent of like a tiny amount of calories. But the way I see it is if you're constantly making your meals, if weight loss is your goal and you're constantly making your meals, things that stroke your metabolism and do have these, you know, factors, I feel like that, you know, it's, it's the little things that you're doing consistently that are often making a difference. So true, you know, having one meal that you add some spice to might not make a difference, but if you're constantly making choices in your meals, and this is again for like a weight loss perspective to create meals that are high in satiety while still being nutrient dense and then using these little tweaks. I think there can be a lot to that, which exciting, exciting topic I'm dying to talk to you about. And I got really excited for listeners because I wanted to talk about this and, but I wasn't sure exactly what Nicole's thoughts were on it, but then she actually brought it up before we started recording. So I got really excited because you touch on something I've been really fascinated by, which is a bit controversial, I believe that is PSMF protein sparing modified fast. And we often get questions on the intermittent fasting podcast about, you know, people who want to lose weight, a lot of weight really fast, like what to do. And of course, crash diets. Like that's not something you want to encourage. I, at least I don't want to encourage. I don't want to ever encourage restrictive dieting. All of that said, from my experience and what I've researched, I found a protein sparing modified fast to probably be the most effective way and the safest slash potentially healthiest way to lose a lot of weight fast. So if there were to be like a crash dieting technique, 
I would say do PSMF and do it the right way. (laughs) So you don't go into like a ton of detail in the book, but you do talk about PSMF. So what are your thoughts on PSMF? I have many thoughts about PSMF. I do want to touch back on the chili peppers for one second, just one second. I also agree with you that like the small, it's the, it is the small habits that add up to a lifestyle. So yes, all the little things you can do to stoke your metabolism are great, but I just don't want listeners to forget that not only does it, yes, sure. It's only going to help you burn like what at five or six more calories or what have you 20, whatever a day to have that hot pepper. But capsaicin as a plant compound also helps lower blood pressure. It helps reduce hunger because it reduces the production of your hunger hormone ghrelin, which takes away craving. This is incorporating spice into your into your meals if you can handle it. It's another known anti-inflammatory and might help relieve pain either by distraction or compound. Uh, because when we do taste spice, it's not actually a flavor. It's a it's a neurological reaction. It's a, it's a pain reaction, <laughs> oddly enough. So there, and it, it like it's inter- taken internally. It has beneficial effects on your skin because it affects your microbiome. So there's so many reasons to add that to your diet. That like, yeah, you want you want to add it for weight loss. Awesome, but you're just going to have to get stuck with nine thousand other awesome things that it come along with it. Okay, you know, like just just deal with how great it is. <laughs> so that's. I just wanted to mention that. Now on to PSMF. Yes, PSMF, it is very controversial. And this is why I did not elaborate on it too much in the book. It's if this were if we were talking about skiing, most of the book is like bunny hills through advanced intermediate. And PSMF is kind of like a triple black diamond ski hill, right? Okay, so it's not something to be approached lightly. I'm with you on not wanting people to crash diet because generally when weight comes off fast or and you know you set a goal weight you lose this weight people have a tendency to say this was so easy and go back to old habits immediately put it all back on so a lot of people who have done psmf as a crash diet have seen all the weight come back if not more and in doing and also in doing that it's, it's harder to, to get into that habit again. It's just the way our minds work. It's hard to, to re-engage a habit. So it's not something you should use as a yo-yo situation. So that disclaimer being said, it is a phenomenal fat loss protocol, a very rapid fat loss protocol that is used by professional athletes, is advocated by doctors who are supervising extreme weight loss, you know, from, and I I mentioned this before the call, I'm I'm not a big fan of the BMI scale and the PSMF diet advocates generally that it's only something you should approach if your BMI is over 31, you know, in, in that obese and morbidly obese category, unless you have type two diabetes and it's, and you have a BMI of over 27, but hard to approach that. That all said, I know. I feel like we have to do so many disclaimers. I'm so sorry. I feel really bad about it, but I'm the same way. I'm the same way. And that's why I got really excited to talk to you about it because I feel like 
you do need, it, it's so important to make all these disclaimers and have this approach to it. And it's, it's really exciting to meet somebody like you who I feel like has the same perspective of it that I do. So this is like a really exciting moment. So that all said, listeners, if you're ready to ski down that triple black diamond hill, it's important to, again, focus on what you're putting in your face. It is really important to get an accurate balance of nutrients and kind of watch the fat melt off while you maintain an exercise regime that will even further promote that muscle sparing. We don't want to lose muscle. That is that, you know, when we're losing weight, we always is a combination of fat, muscle, water, and the PSMF is you're trying to just lose fat as much as possible and maintain that muscle mass. And so I always, you know, advocate if you're going to do it, also maintain some heavy lifting or, or, you know, start some heavy lifting in there to do a full body recomp. And that's something I've been exploring myself. And I'm just about to kind of get into a PSMF cycle because with, with COVID-19, it's not going to be too many holiday parties. (laughs) So why not? I hadn't thought about that. That's so true. Yeah. So for listeners, I guess we should probably say what PSMF is. I mean, there are different approaches to it. It was popularized by Lyle McDonald, who who I want to invite on the show, but he kind of scares me. <laughs> so he's really intense, is the point. He's a great person. And he, and he like made PSMF like really out there, but I've been intimidated to contact him. But in any case, it's an approach. I think the original protocol is like 500 calories a day, but it, it's basically... Because now people do approaches where it's like more like 800, but it's basically just protein. <laughs> I mean, not just protein, but it's like all just lean protein and ultra, ultra low carb, ultra low fat. Well, the, the concept is it's like, it's, it is a version of the keto diet. I mean, you're not, except you're not like counting your grams of you probably technically you have to stay below 20 grams of fat and 20 grams of carbs per day. Your body's in ketosis. And when you have fat to burn, that's where your fat mode grows coming from. That's really what it is. So you're eating the protein to save those muscles. And all the fat comes from, from your love handles or, you know, that spot behind your knee. Yeah. Cause basically the concept is, it's what you just said, like with the protein, it's providing what your body needs to maintain muscle mass, which is so key and so important, but then your body has to get energy from somewhere. So, I mean, it pretty much not, I don't, I don't want to say it has to come from fat, but it's most likely going to come from fat. So, so yeah, I'm just, I'm really fascinated by it. And I think like, like his version, you, you supplement with like, I think omega threes and there might be some other little, some little things to it, but I got, I got really excited because I was asking Nicole at the beginning before we started recording about, you know, what's she going to write another book and what would she like to write about? And in addition to the one she mentioned earlier in this interview about the the food sensitivity book, <laughs> what book were you thinking of writing next potentially? Well, I, I think it would have to be called, since this is intermittent fasting cookbook, I think this one would have to be called PSMF cookbook <laughs> to stay in the, to stay, to stay on track with the trend. But in my also personal research of PSMF, gosh, darn it. The food is so boring and it's just, oh, it's like, it has been called the chicken and broccoli diet because people have poached chicken breast, you know, and and steamed broccoli and eating that day in and day out sounds, I mean, as a chef, that just sounds like torture to me. 
There's so many ways to add flavor without adding fat. And it's, it's all about the spices. It's about the way you cook things. So they're slow cooked or, you know, sous vide, or there's just so many different approaches you could take air frying with the tools that we have now. It's like kitchen biohacking <laughs> again, like there's just a, a whole complement of cool things. So I would love to put together, you know, another hundred recipes of satisfying, emotionally warming recipes that would common and easy to make like accessible recipes for PSMF because yeah if you could write that and somehow get approval to post it in some of the PSMF groups on Facebook oh my goodness like everybody would get it in those groups because the yeah the recipes surrounding that in general are pretty pretty abysmal a client had an event she was like doing and a, going on a, to an event and wanted to prepare for it and she was really adamant about trying to shake five to 10 pounds in two weeks. Right. So I said, we can try, like, this is the approach you have to take. It's extraordinarily strict. And she's like, um, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. I said, okay, I want her to stay healthy throughout this period. So I went online and I downloaded a few cookbooks or like a few, you know, like eBooks that were out there and, and spent, you know, just spent like 30, 30 bucks on online cookbooks again, where the recipes were just passable, just passable. And I ended up just creating things for her anyway, that were amazing, you know, like shrimp, you know, a shrimp salad with fat-free lemon juice dressing that I did like thicken up with a touch of, you know, xanthan gum, which I'm not the hugest fan of gums, but if you're doing a PSMF, you're going to have to make a couple other sacrifices. Like you have to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was going to ask you what would be like an example of recipes. Cause I like in the times when I tried PSMF, I think I pretty much just ate like massive salads of like chicken breasts with lettuce and like apple cider vinegar and ginger and like stevia at the time, like on repeat. I'd be so interested to see what you would come up with. That would be really interesting. Also to this point, because like I said, I don't, I'm not encouraging crash dieting or anything like that, but I've seen, I think there are people who, depending on what type you are, there are some people who they're going to want to do something fast and drastic. And I think if they're going to do that, you want to do it the way that's going to be most supportive and most effective at the same time. And I think that's what PSMF is. And again, it's short term, it's not meant to be lifestyle. And I've seen studies too, on what is most effective for, for diet, for weight loss and maintenance. And the most effective approach was actually, I don't know if it was crash dieting, but like severe restriction for like a very brief amount of time followed by more maintenance compared to like just perpetual <laughs> dieting. So I think depending on what personality type you are, it can work for some people. Yeah, I can tell you some of the things as are, I just actually pulled up an email of what I sent the week that that I brought over. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what were they? For that particular week, I had a, a tomato stuffed with crunchy tuna salad over baby greens. So I hollowed out a tomato and I made like fat-free with the, you know, purchased fat-free mayonnaise, celery, green onion salad with pickle, ju with pickle juice. And that was over baby greens and the client loved it. The turkey, like lean turkey and lettuce roll-ups with another fat-free sauce. I had given her crispy chicken tenders, which I did in an air fryer 
with egg white and a honey Dijon dipping sauce, which there wasn't actually any honey in it. I used the sweetener that's a sucrine gold syrup. So calorie free, high fiber, no, like no, like otherwise no carb, like no net carb, steam sauteed Swiss chard. I did chocolate meringues with monk fruit made. Yeah. So these are all recipes I just like whipped up. I'm like, okay, these are the rules. And I'm just going to whip these things up. And so it can be satisfying and you can get chocolate meringues. You're getting cocoa, which is anti-inflammatory. <laughs> Yay. You know, so. Again, it's not meant to be long term, but there are a lot of benefits to calorie restriction in general. If it's done correctly, I think it can have not only a weight loss effect, but an anti-inflammatory effect on the body. Absolutely. Well, you know, like that's like kind of like Walter Longo's five day yeah, fasting mimicking diet. Which I tried recently. <laughs> yeah. Did you do the actual the kit? Yeah, I ordered Prolon. But so I haven't been eating like nuts or like, well, nuts, <laughs> things like that in a long time. I tried one of the bars. I was like, this is not going to work. It like set off all of my like craving hunger. Like I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I'm just going to keep the soups. And maybe if I ever try ADF, um, which... I can't, I don't know. I, I don't do well with ADF every time I've tried it, but I was like, maybe if I ever do it, I'll just keep these soups and try to use them for an ADF type thing. But it works for a lot of people. But for me, I want, I want to do it for the health benefits. I like my big meals. That's why I love intermittent fasting and my one meal a day. I think I put the formula in for that fasting mimicking diet for an at-home version into the text. And I recently read that it's, it is just all about the calories and not necessarily about the protein in that particular case. but. Yeah. So as you know, just to tie in what we're saying is that extreme calories restriction for a short period of time can have magical health benefits. So you could do PSMF for two weeks instead of like the thousand weeks that it actually recommends in the two separate phases and gain um, benefits similar to that fasting mimicking diet, which has been shown to like really regenerate your immune system and all that jazz. Yeah. And actually I just looked it up. And so for listeners, yeah, you do have in the book, you have a section on additional modified fasting techniques and you actually provide all the information about fasting, mimicking diet and, and PSMF, like the, the macros and like what it looks like and all of that stuff. So very, very cool. So how did you choose which recipes to include and what type of recipes are in the book? So I designed all the recipes for the book and chose them and designed them. First of all, each one will have a maximum per serving, maximum per serving of 500 calories. So that can, if not less, really. So whether you're doing ADF or you're doing time-restricted eating, you know, tra more traditional style intermittent fasting, you, this, every recipe should be able to fit, fit in there. I wanted to make, you know, all anti-inflammatory recipes. So they are heavy on the anti-inflammatory and colorful ingredients. I also want there to be recipes for vegetarians and for vegans and for meat eaters and for people who like to eat carbs sometimes. So there's a lot of, I know it sounds, kind of sounds like it's all over the place, but I feel like there's a very common thread in that every single one has less than 500 calories per one and some per two servings. They're all higher on the satiety index. They're going to be very filling. They're extraordinarily nutrient dense and also focus on being anti-inflammatory, though they could be from, you know, any cuisine in the world, which 
you know, that comes from my background in yachting, having traveled everywhere. I just picked up the flavors of, of everywhere I went. And some of the, some of the examples, I mean, there's, there's everything from snack crackers and like lower carb versions of hummus and uh, muhamara dip and uh, tzatziki that you can make with dairy or with non-dairy. Like there's two bacon wrapped rosemary stuffed chicken breast. I think there's a few, few cookies in there. You need to have a little sweet tooth. But does that cover most of what you think? I'm just looking right now at the turkey mushroom meatloaf muffins. <laughs> those look so, those look really good. And I was like looking in to see, yeah, so there's no like obviously breading or anything like that in those. Now, all the recipes are gluten-free since I'm the one who had to make them and test them. But if somebody wants to use their breadcrumbs, they could, but why? <laughs> so then basically like you're good to go. Like you just said, if you want to do like ADF or PSMF, well, not necessarily PSMF because it would depend on fat content, but like you're good to go, but then you can always eat more servings. <laughs> yes. Yes. They're at most, I think 500. There may be one in there that's like 525 and I can't remember which one it is. But when I say a recipe is 525, it's because there's three recipes in like a dish. So it would be like the bacon wrapped chicken breast with the cream spinach or the creamed greens, coconut cream greens on the side, you know, so you're getting a meal. Your meal is 500 or less, not, not just one, one single recipe. It's to touch every part of your tummy. It's to touch every part of your tongue. Like I wanted every recipe to like be satisfying and nourishing, you know, from, from the inside out. So I'm just looking through now wanting to make these recipes so much. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. I have enjoyed this so much, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you for sending me the book when you're writing it. Thank you for trusting my endorsement. Thank you for, for creating the book. And listeners, like I said, super valuable resource. It covers everything that we talked about and so much more amazing recipes. So I cannot recommend it enough. I'll put links to all of it in the show notes. And that brings me to the last question that I always ask every single guest on this podcast. And it's something also that you touch on in the book, which we didn't even talk about, but it's just because I've started to realize more and more how important mindset is surrounding everything. So what is something that you're grateful for? I actually haven't written my gratitude list today and I, I usually do it every single morning. But something that I'm grateful for today is the perfect temperature outside that this was such a fun conversation that I had a really great night's sleep and I went to one of the most amazing grocery stores, I think, in the United States today to pick up farm fresh produce to cook with for the rest of my day. I could keep going because it's really small things that make me grateful. And there's so many, so many things to make me smile today. So, you know what I've noticed? Cause I ask every single guest this question as a last question. You can tell the people who do like a gratitude practice. That's what they do is they pick like the little things, you know, <laughs> like, like the, rather than like the one big thing from which there's nothing wrong with that. But I just, I've noticed this trend, like the people who, who do have some sort of gratitude practice, they're attuned to like focusing in on the little things. And I think it's so powerful. Like when you start having that mindset surrounding things, the thing that sold me was when I learned that the brain can't both be in a state of fear and anxiety and gratitude at the same time. So it's such a hack, you know, turn off that fear. 
It's a super hack. Like, yes, it turns off fear. And you're, you're, you also train your, because you're training your executive processing. What is it? The, the frontal lobe. It's like your executive center in the brain. And the more control you have over that, not really control, but the more toning, you know, let's call it toning that you tone you have of your prefrontal cortex, the more able you're able to make it through a day with clarity and, and positivity. So. I'm there with you. You inspired me because I, I usually do my gratitude at night, but I, I should be doing it in the morning or both. I should be doing both probably. If ever I have a day that I have a rough patch, I do a second or third one. Yeah, that's great. And it, it does uplift. It's, it's really nice. It's crazy. You literally feel it. Like the second you think of something you're grateful for, you like, you feel it. <laughs> so listeners do it. Speaking of listeners, how can they best get your book? Where is it available? How can they follow your work? Anything else that you want to put out there? Okay, yes. My book is available on Amazon. That's where I'm I'm promoting that primarily. But you can access through that through my website, mindbodyketo.com. That's M-I-N-D-B-O-D-Y-K-E-T-O.com. You can also access it by Instagram. And the handle there, it's also for mind, body, keto. It's mind underscore body underscore keto. And you'll see me in my formerly blonde glory. And then now I'm a bodacious brunette. And <laughs> yes. Are you a natural blonde? I, I'm a natural dark ash blonde, like really dark. And I had some gorgeous highlights, but COVID, I haven't been to the hairdresser in 11 months. <laughs> Yeah. I went yesterday for the first time since like March. Yeah. Yeah. I meant to go at the end of March and like, before you know it, those roots, I'm like, you know what? Let's do the whole thing. I'm going to have an overhaul. I'm going to have pandemic hair. And now I'm like the darkest ash brown and it's sultry. That's all I can say. Had you gone brunette before? Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So you got, see, I'm so scared because I've heard like once you go brunette, it's like hard to go back to blonde. I'm like, oh, no, I've done it before. And it's a fun change. You know, it's like a you you should have a great hairdresser. I mean, if you think you can't go back, look at the Kardashians. This is true. I have really thin hair. So I feel like I'm like nervous enough about it already. But I get really envious of people that do like the flip or flip around or do different colors. It's amazing. Yeah, I found my the hairdresser that I ended up finding. um, She has a commitment to natural products and, and non-permanent as well. But it did take a, it was a four hour process to bring my, my highlights down this the lovely color it is now. So, but I feel safe. I know she's quality products. You know, I don't want those endocrine, endocrine disruptors. Don't get me started. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyhow, I don't want to take up all your time as much fun as it is to chat. So for listeners, I will put links to everything that we talked about in the show notes and the show notes will be at melanieavalon.com slash intermittent fasting cookbook. So Nicole, this has been absolutely wonderful. I really am looking forward to, well, I'm going to order the physical copy of the book because I just have the galley right now. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. And then your, all of your future endeavors will have to bring you back when you write those next books. I cannot wait. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later. All right. Sounds great. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.